Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. This last uh, week or so, we saw something uh, pretty bizarre play out on the East Coast. The, uh, the Colonial Pipeline Company was shut down, uh, taken hostage, held for ransom by an unknown group. Uh, I don't understand ransomware. I don't, I'm not in that world, but my understanding of it is, is people take uh, companies' data and they hold it hostage. They encrypt it so the company can't read it. And they say, unless you give us X number of dollars, your, your, your business is done. And, and so this, this colonial pipeline on the East Coast, it shut down because of ransomware. And it turns out the company ended up paying $5 million to this group to get the pipeline unfrozen or get their business unfrozen to help move the pipeline forward. Uh, but we saw some tragic things because of that, that evil. We saw people pull up to gas stations with, <laughs> with uh, boxes and trash bags and uh, all kinds of uh, supermarket bags and fill them up with gas. Tie them up and put them in the back of their cars, put them in their minivans. Chaos. People uh, not knowing what to do. Is the pipeline going to be shut down for, for weeks? Are things going to be, you know, I need to hoard gas. I need to stockpile it. And I, I saw at least one vehicle that did burst into flames on the highway because the gas ignited. And uh, isn't, isn't that wild to think about? We watch from a distance and we're like, oh, those people. But we realize we're those people. That stuff comes into our world so frequently nowadays. Things we've never heard of. Things we've never planned for. Things we didn't think would happen. Things that we trusted on and relied on. It falls apart. Or terrorists take control of it. And, we, and we, we know that those people out there, and what we saw them doing, putting their lives in danger, that could be us. Because when trouble comes, when hardship comes, when difficulties come, when things are thrown at us, we're like, I don't know what to do. What should we do? I want to take care of my family. I want to take care of my kids. I want to take care of people. What should I do? We're scrambling on like, like chickens with our head cut off, looking for what's next, looking for how to handle things. <clears throat> we need wisdom. Those people, uh, they didn't know what to do. They, 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 they didn't understand the scenario or the situation, and they, they just did what they thought was best. There is a way that seems right to men, right? It leads to death. We need wisdom. Where do we get it? Where do we go for it? How do we find it? Man, we don't know what's coming down the pike the next few months, the next few years. I don't think the world's going to get less squirrelier less chaotic, more and more situations like that. What do we do? How are we going to handle it? We need wisdom that is not of this world. Please open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. We come to a historical account of a king who was looking for wisdom in all the wrong places. And we learn from his mistake and the way that God provided for him on where wisdom is found. Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. 
In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream. My spirit is troubled to know the dream. And the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid to ruins. And stop there. You see what happens when people don't get sleep? <laughs> is go off the deep end. Uh, we don't know how long this was going on. We don't know how long this, this... It seemed like he was having a dream that was reoccurring. And it stressed him out. Kept him up at night. I know none of you people ever stay up at night worrying about things or stressing about things. But the king did. We think that kings and billionaires, they have no worries. They have no fears. They have no anxieties. And we know that's not true. It seems like the more money people get, the more stuff people get, the more they have to worry about. So we see this man who has everything, sleepless nights. And, and so what, what does a good king do? Well, a wise king, he calls his wise men. And uh, do you get the sense that he doesn't trust his wise men? Do you get the sense that he doesn't put a lot of stock in the wisdom of the sorcerers and the enchanters and the diviners? He doesn't. He's, he hasn't been on the throne too long, but he grew up, his dad was the king of Babylon before he was, and he knows how these people work. He knows their games they play, and so he, he changes up. Okay, I know how, how you guys uh, have played my father. I know how you tried to play me before. So I'm going to give you, uh, raise the bar a little bit. And if you can tell me what's, what's happening, what happened in my dream, you can tell me the interpretation. Man, blessings on you, honor to you. <clears throat> But if, if I find out that you can't speak to the gods, that you can't find out this information, I know that you're quacks and you're all going to die. Have a nice day. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the king calls in these, these people. And uh, in verse 3, the magicians... So the magicians, they're the ones that, uh, the word there means to write, to scribe. They have all these books. They have all this written knowledge, all this lore from the hundreds of years of the Babylonian kingdom. And their, their expertise is, hey, tell us the problem, and we'll come up with a spell. We'll co come up with an incantation that will deal with the problem. We'll get you through this. Just tell us what the dream is. We'll give you what you need. Um, no, I want to know the dream and the, the enchanters. The enchanters, these are people that the court pays handsomely for. You know, he's hired these magi magicians. He's hired these enchanters. The enchanters, they apparently have some, some uh, understanding of the spirit world. And they can go and they can talk to spirits. And that's what their claim is. And they can go and they can find things out. They can go there and represent the king and, and, tell, and, and tell the spirits what to do. Or they can bring back the problem that they, they can... Uh, that the gods are upset with, with the king, and he can fix it, whatever. The sorcerers, they're the ones that go a little bit darker. They, attack, they, they go towards the evil, the, the dark side of things, and, and they go and they try to manipulate these evil spirits, these, these gods. 
they have dark arts, you know, they have their lore, they have all these things written out in books, that, you know, you do this with this spirit, you do this with this spirit. The sorcerers, they have, they promise the king, yeah, just tell us the dream and we'll give you help. And the last one there where it says in the ESV, it says Chaldeans, some of your translations say uh, diviners or astrologers, okay? Uh, so these people look for omens. These are a priestly class that look for omens in the heavens or on the earth. And so we have so-called Chaldeans in our valley here at different places. They're called palm readers. They're called astrologers. They're called horoscope readers. They're called uh, you know, all, all the different, uh, different ways that you find uh, hidden knowledge, those who run seances and those kind of things. So these people... Uh, they, they were experts in these things, apparently. They looked at the stars, and they, they, you know, the ba ba Babylonian kingdom, uh, probably 400 years before this, they existed, and, and they were big in watching the sky. They didn't know what those things were up in the sky. They were a polytheistic religion, so somehow they tied them each to their gods, and they had many, many gods. And so they watched the sky, and, and they, they, even 500 B.C., they, they knew how long a year was, uh, uh, almost to the hour, because they studied the, the stars. So, so intently, okay? Uh, so that they're watching the sky, and, and the way they worked is, if something weird happened or, or something was out of, out of place, they'd say, oh, there's an omen. And they'd have these books, they'd have this knowledge that accumulated over the centuries from so-called wise men that said, if you see this in Sagittarius, if you see this in Capricorn or whatever, uh, it means this, it could mean X, Y, or Z. And so the, source, the, the astrologers, uh, the diviners, they, in the heavens, but they'd also look for omens upon the earth. What they would do oftentimes, they, they'd sacrifice an animal, they'd open up the animal, they'd pull out the entrails, and they'd look for, you know, they'd clean the entrails from windpipe all the way down, and they'd look for marks in, in the animal, uh, or they'd, they'd pull out a liver, and they'd examine the liver. They went to school for this. They went to school for this, they study this, and so if there's a mark that was like an arrow pointing this way, it meant this. If the mark was on this way, in this part of the entrails of the animal, it meant this. So said their books. Okay? And so we, even in our valley today, we have those who are looking for omens. They'll, they'll, they'll read your horoscope, they'll, they'll, they'll look at your palm, they'll give you a reading and say, this means this, this means that. And I don't know if they use the Babylonian horoscopes, or they use other horoscopes or other sacred knowledge from the world. But the kings paid handsomely for their services, and now he wants them to produce. Tell me my dream. Tell me the interpretation, and you'll not only live, you'll be blessed. I'm going to make you rich. He holds money out before him, and he holds their, their life in his hands. So, so what happens? Jump down to verse 10. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no, no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. And that was true until the Lord Jesus became incarnate and took on flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. See, Daniel, uh, he just passed, he just graduated 
from the school in Babylon, he got not only an A average, he got an A++ average. Remember last week as we looked at chapter 1, his wisdom was 10 times better than the other magicians and sorcerers. Now, we look at that, we say, so he went to a school for this kind of stuff? And yeah, he did. But did Daniel embrace this stuff? Did he live it? Did he, did he, um, did he act on it? And I'd say no. We know last week from studying it, Daniel was a student of the Word of God. Before he and his companions were taken captive by the Babylonians and, and taken 900 miles from Jerusalem to, uh, to, to the area where, where they are now in Babylon, uh, he, he studied the Word of God. His parents taught him the Word of God. He knew the Word of God. He knew what lines to, to cross and what, what lines not to cross. He was a man of integrity who wanted to worship God. And so we can be very sure that even though he studied these things, he didn't practice these things. And this gives us encouragement, and this gives us some perspective on, on living in the world. Many of us have to go to jobs and live in, in places of businesses where there is ungodliness taking place or wickedness taking place. And, uh, boy, it's hard to find a, a pure place to work, right, uh, in this world today. And so we, we have to make up our minds. We, we have to kind of work through the problems of being in the world but not of the world. Okay, and Daniel and his three companions, they graduated from the school of, of King Nebuchadnezzar with the highest grades ever. Probably a plaque still somewhere buried in the desert for these guys. But they learned to be God's men and not Babylonians even though they were living in the Babylonian world and serving the Babylonians. They were men of integrity. So we, we see that Daniel, as a wise man, as it were, he, maybe he hasn't been, you know, he's newly graduated. He's probably 17 years old now or maybe 18 years old. He's gone through a lot in his life, a lot of trauma, a lot of drama, a lot of difficulties, and now he finds out that he's on the hit list. He's about to die. Verse 14, Then Daniel applied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. So, so the captain of the guard is the chief executioner, apparently. He decided, he, he, Daniel declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel and explained, you know, crazy old Nebuchadnezzar. What's happening with him? And Daniel went in and requested to the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. So finally... How many hundreds and hundreds of, of servants of, of Babylon following this God or that God? Uh, all the polytheistic gods of, of Babylon, they claim, my God's better, my God's better. None of them can answer the king. None of them say, hey, no, I can't give you, I can't give you the dream. I can't give you the interpretation. But Daniel, Daniel standing alone, a 17 or 18-year-old young man who, believe, who believes in Yahweh, who worships the Lord God, he has the courage and the confidence to, hey, take me to the king. Give me time. I will answer what you're asking for. He's got a bold face. He's very tactful here. He's very humble. Again, like last week, we should treat our public servants, our, our leaders, our, our ruling authorities uh, with humility and grace. Uh, even those who turn out to be dictators, we need to treat them with humility and grace. Right? He goes tactfully and wisely, prudently, discerningly to the king, to the king's servant, and then he goes into the king. I think I can give you the interpretation. Just give me some time. That was an act of faith. A belief in a big God. A belief that his God could answer such a difficult problem. <laughs> tell me your dream. And tell me 
your interpretation? Oh, what's the truth of that? Uh, Daniel has a faith in a God that's huge. He believes that God can do anything. The Babylonian wise men said, this is impossible. Nobody could do this. Daniel says, my God can. Let me go seek wisdom from the maker of heaven and earth. I'll come back to you. Verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Okay, so uh, he goes into a time of prayer. You know, there's a little bit of urgency here. Uh, I need an answer, God, or I'm going to die. That might help my prayer life a little bit. A little, little fire under me to get going. And so, he, the, he, what, what does he do? He seeks wisdom from God. He's been taught the wisdom of God since childhood and the Word of God. He knows that. This is a specific situation that's not found within the moral will of God. So he goes to God in prayer. And we don't know how long they prayed. We don't know how long they persevered and prayed. Maybe they had to fast for a season and pray. Uh, they, but the idea was they were going to pray until the executioner came or God answered. You think about prayer and you think about God says, approach my throne of grace with confidence. You know, God inviting us near to Him. God, God inviting us to seek His face, seek His hand. And boy, when you, when you read something like that, and you, man, when was the last time I, <clears throat> I really prayed? When was, when was the last time I went to God instead of Dr. Google for the answers, for the wisdom? We need wisdom. We imagine, we see that scene of those guys filling up their trash bags with gas and put it in their minivan with their kids. And we need wisdom. We are not very smart at times. We need wisdom of God. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision at night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. And you know what wisdom is. Uh, recently in our community group, we read a, a book of, that's talked about wisdom quite a bit. But God's wisdom, He has all knowledge, He has all power, so He has all authority. He, he, he has all knowledge to know the best ways to go. And He knows the best ends or the best, mean, or the best outcomes. So to have wisdom is to know what path to take, and what is the best destination? God has all wisdom. He knows the best paths for you and I. He knows the best end for you and I. And so it would behoove us, it would be wise of us, it would be smart of us to go to God and ask, Lord, what are the best pathways to walk here? Uh, my family's threatened. What are the best Best directions here, Lord. You are the God of all wisdom. You're the God of all power and all knowledge and understanding, all authority. God, show me, please, what is best here. Because <clears throat> the world has lost its mind. And I don't know what to do. 
And so Daniel praises God. He, he's the God, verse 21, he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. You know who the wise are in the Proverbs? They're the ones who listen to God and obey. You know who the fools are in Proverbs? And, and those who, who are, are in, in Psalms and in, in the wisdom literature in the Bible, they're the ones who ignore God, who disobey God, who reject God in his standards. Oh God, I don't need him. Give me the world. They're fools. Now there is wisdom in the world. Don't get me wrong. There is an academia that has looked at things long and hard and we have a, a lot of history to guide us in how to move. But in this crazy world where things are changing all the time and, and there isn't a book written on it, there isn't, there isn't an article to read about it, there isn't a, a know how to do this in this situation setting, we should go to God for wisdom. The source of all wisdom, the greatest knower in history, He's the one who answers prayers. To you, O God of my fathers, verse 23, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might. You have now made me what you, we ask of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. So it's a great time, and you see how this is set up. You see what God's word is to you today. On, all the, on one side are all the wise people of the world with all the worldly tassels and bars in their arms and all the badges. And they say, we don't know, we don't know. And we see on the other side this 17-year-old this boy who trusts in God, who went to God and found what he needed from God. And God's word to us is saying in various ways that the gods of the world do not measure up to Daniel's God. The wisdom of the world does not measure up to God's wisdom. And we should seek God's wisdom over any other kind of wisdom if we are going to thrive in this life and flourish in this life. God's wisdom is the way to go. God's wisdom is what we should seek. We seek God's wisdom in His Word. We seek God's wisdom in prayer. Jesus says, abide in Me if you want to bear fruit. Seeking the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, listening to the Spirit in connection with the truth of the Word of God, the revelation that God has given us. That's where to find wisdom. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Isn't that great? He doesn't call on God to destroy all the sorcerers and the enchanters. He asks for God to protect them, for the king to protect them, to give them life. He's very gracious in that, very kind in that. Uh, Bring me in before the king, and, and I will show the king the interpretation. And Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said to him, uh, I have found among the exiles of Judah a man who will make known the king the interpretation. And that's not true. Daniel found Arioch, but whatever. The world likes to brag, look at what I did, look what I did, look what I did. And, and uh, the truth is, is Daniel found him by the grace of God. The king declared to Daniel, whose name is Belteshazzar, Bel... Be praised is what that means. That was the Babylonian pet name for Daniel, uh, trying to make him worship the God, one of the great gods of Babylon, Bel. 
Uh, so Belteshazzar went in, Are you able to make to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation, the king asked? Daniel answered the king and said, No, uh, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. There is a God in heaven who answers prayer. There is a God in heaven who knows all things who invites us to come to Him and ask for our help, His help in our time of need. And He has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. So this is a, this is a dream about the latter days, about the future from Nebuchadnezzar's perspective. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to, to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because of any wisdom that I have uh, more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. So Daniel comes very humbly. I, I can't answer your questions, but I went to a God who can. I went to the living God, the maker of heaven and earth, and he, he's told me. So we have this picture of maybe uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he knows how the court works, the king's court. He, he's only been on the throne a few years. Maybe he's worried about a coup taking place. Maybe he's worrying about the next battle. He's troubled at mind. He's laying in bed at night wondering about the future, and so he has a dream, a, a gift from God, a dream revealing the future. Let's look and see what that says. Verse 31. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you look, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image of uh, on its feet and iron, of iron and clay and broke them to pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So what we know uh, from, from this, it's, 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 uh, he saw an image, the dream. He saw a picture of a man, a statue of a man. A head of gold, chest and arms of silver, uh, waist and, and legs of bronze, uh, legs on the bottom of iron, and then, and then feet of iron and clay mixed together. <clears throat> uh, the, the metals descending from, from very valuable metals to cheaper metals. Okay, but, but the reverse of that, the, the metals are softer and then they get harder as you go down until you get to the feet of clay and, and iron mixed together, which doesn't mix very well in terms of stability. And so he sees this and it's frightening. And, and the Babylonians believe that the gods spoke through, the, through dreams, they spoke through visions like this. And so he's like, what's happening? The statue, it gets struck by a stone. The statue falls apart. It, it turns into chaff, you know, just small things that just blow away in the wind. Nothing, nothing remains of this statue is he thinking, is this me? Is this something else? What's going on? And so that was his dream that troubled him. So what's the interpretation? Verse 36. This was the dream. Now we will tell you the king its interpretation. So uh, we don't know if Daniel and his companions were there, the three other guys, or he's talking about we like him and the Lord. <laughs> we're not sure. 37. You, O king, the king of kings, 
to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom and the power and the might and the glory, into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. So we know several things right off from that, that, that verse, those two verses there. Uh, this, this dream is about kings and kingdoms. It's about a God who is sovereign. A God who and sovereign means that God has all power. He has all knowledge. He has all authority. He has freedom to do whatever he wants with all that, with all that power, with all that knowledge. He's sovereign. But he delegates to humans his uh, sovereignty, his rule, and he decides who that is. We go back to the book of Genesis. We saw Adam and Eve were given a great dominion over the earth. And it's kind of repeated here. Uh, King, King Nebuchadnezzar, you're like Adam of old. You have dominion over all these things. Where did it come from? It came from God. So God di distributes his power and authority as he sees fit. Okay? And so it, it's this idea that Nebuchadnezzar, who do you answer to? You answer to God. Why do you have all this stuff that you have? God gave you everything you have. It belongs to him. Verse 39. Another kingdom inferior to you shall rise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze which shall rule over all the earth. Uh, and there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. Like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. So we know an another, uh, in terms of God's sovereignty, His distribution of that sovereignty, His delegation of that sovereignty, we know that uh, uh, human kingdoms don't last Empires, kingdoms, rulers, they don't last. They're temporary. They're here today and gone tomorrow. They're here for a hundred years and they're gone after this. But there's a succession. A, uh, uh, the, the, the statue represented kingdoms that are here for a while that come and go. Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head of gold, but these other kingdoms, uh, they, they come and go as well. Verse 44 and verse 41. And as you saw the feet of, and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with soft clay. As the toes of feet were partly iron and partly clay, and so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle, as you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so that they mix with one another in marriage, uh, but they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. Okay, I think we get the point there. <laughs> uh, verse 44 is a very important verse. And in the days of those kings... The God of heaven shall set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its inter interpretation is sure. So we have this, this, this statue that, you know, descending, it's got all these, these valuable metals, they get stronger, they look, it looks unstoppable. But then you look at the statue, and the, and the dream is saying, man, the foundation is not solid. The foundation is brittle. Mixing iron and clay, that's not going to last. That's not going to last. And so King Nebuchadnezzar is saying, oh yeah, I can see that, that's not going to last. And then the stone came, and it hit that, destroyed it, the whole thing fell down. The dream is saying to Nebuchadnezzar, human kingdoms are not going to last. They're all going to be obliterated. They're all going to be destroyed. Human kingdoms, they can last for hundreds of years. 
But there's a God in heaven who is bringing His kingdom upon the earth. There's a God in heaven who will rule this earth by His might, by His strength, by His power. Human kingdoms that we fear, that we stress over, politicians that we stress over or we fear, parties and politics and things that Oh, what happens if this? What happens if that gets elected? What happens if they pass that? Oh, oh. King Nebuchadnezzar, God's kingdom rules forever. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth over the heavens and the earth. He always has and He always will. And he's bringing His kingdom upon this earth one day. What are you going to do with that, O king? Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell down upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. And the king gave Daniel high honors and many gifts made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. Why did God give Nebuchadnezzar such a dream? Well, a big part of that, if you start in Genesis and you read all through Revelation, God is in the business of redemption. God is in the business of redeeming lost people, redeeming the world, bringing the world back to himself. And so he's lifted up Daniel to a position of power where Daniel can continue to be a light in the darkness where Daniel and the Jews, as they, were, as they were called to back in Exodus, they were called to be a light to the world. They were called to live under God's law and obey Him so that the world, the lost world, the pagan world, would see that there's a truth, that there's a light. So Daniel's been lifted up through this dream. <laughs> he's given position of power. And Daniel reigns, you know, he's seven, he started when he was like 15, and he's going to go all through the, to the Persian kingdom, the Medes and the Persian. He's going to be in this position of power for some 70 years. He can influence a lot of people by God's grace and by God's, God's authority. But the king, he, he falls on his face and he realizes just what God wanted him to understand. That all that, 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 that worldview, the polytheism, the false gods, they didn't reveal nothing. And yet the God of Daniel, he revealed the deepest of the deep mysteries. And there's a picture of worship there. Now we know as we get to chapter 3 next week, it wasn't a, a life-changing moment for Nebuchadnezzar. He still kind of worships himself and worships other gods. But at this moment, it's a, it's a big, big moment forward like, oh, oh, God is, and I'm not him. So we, we look at this in some of these dreams. Of this dream, of course, God is, God is in control. God distributes His sovereignty as He sees fit. No kingdom, no politician, no political party. None will last. They're all temporary. But God has a kingdom that is coming that He's going to set up. And so how should we live in, with this reality? Well, well the, big, the big word of God to us today, the, the big teaching to us today, seek God's wisdom. Open His Word. Pray to Him. Seek His face. Spend a lot of time looking in other places. A lot of time looking in other places that, man, 
that are empty and broken. And we could open up that horoscope and, and what, what is a horoscope? Like there's these, these balls in the sky of matter and dirt and gas that are rotating around. If something happens, the horoscope says, oh, that, that's, there's an omen up there. And so it means, I mean, we could say, uh, we could look at that, that horoscope and say, you mean by looking at Saturn and, and a little something that happened near Saturn? You're telling me that I should date now? Or, or, or look at how the moon's rotating around, you know, the moon's around, around Jupiter. And, oh, that, that changed a little bit? That means I should apply for that job and I'm going to get the job? Do you see the insanity in that? Worldly wisdom, worldly lore, how broken it is. And so if you're, I guess one of, one of the applications is if you're uh, into palm reading, if you're into tarot cards today, if you're into seances, if you're into horoscopes, if you're into to, to paganism or Wiccanism, these kind of things, leave, repent, run away with your wallet still intact. Because for only 1995, they'll tell you all kinds, 1995 a month, they'll tell you all kinds of things you want to hear. And right now in, in our world, you go to social media, our, our youth are being victimized by this. And you go on TikTok, you go on different places like that, and there's all kinds of, of astrologers and all kinds of people who are, who are saying, I can tell you the future. All, all these vulnerable kids that are wanting to know the future and wanting to know, you know, are they, are they loved, are they cared for? And, and they're paying all kinds of money out to have... Wise men tell them how to live when we have the Word of God and we have the living God in our midst. I'm sure the kids are having fun over there, so I'm going to go for just a little bit longer. Now, what, what does this dream mean prophetically? What, what does it say about the future? And uh, you saw the head of gold, the, the chest and arms of silver, the, the, the waist and legs of bronze, and the feet of uh, the legs of iron, and the feet of iron and clay. So historically, it's saying after this, after this, after this, comes God's kingdom. Okay, we've got to unpack that a little bit. What does that mean? So the Babylonian kingdom lasted from 605 B.C. to 539 B.C. The, the Chaldean Babylonian kingdom lasted that long. And then came the Medes and the Persians. They lasted from 539 B.C. to 331 B.C. And after them, the Greeks came. Uh, uh, they, they lasted quite a long time too, 331 B.C. to like 146 B.C. You know, Alexander the Great, when he came, and he's, he wept because he couldn't conquer any more kingdoms. The, the, all these kingdoms are massive and huge, and they're, they're worldwide. They got all this power. And then after the Greeks came, the Romans came, 146 B.C. And it, it depends on who you ask when it, when, when it ends. East and west, the, 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 the divisions came in 395 uh, A.D. So it lasted a long time. Okay, but, but we see here in this progression that uh, after the, 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 the Romans came, God's kingdom was going to come. So verse 44, again, is an important, or important verse to interpret. In the days of those kings, God of heaven will set up the kingdom and shall not, never be destroyed. Okay, so <clears throat> there's a couple ways that this could go. Who are those kings? Are they the, the kings of the Babylonians, the Medes and Persians, the Greeks, the Romans? Or the antecedent to that in the previous section of previous verses, is it talking about uh, that, that, that group of kings that came from the mixture of iron and clay. And the way this is playing out in, prophetically in terms of interpretations, one school says it was the kings of old. 
And so when Jesus came in his first coming, he set up a spiritual kingdom. He brought the kingdom to bear here and now. Okay, and so when you read uh, like the, the mustard seed that grows into a great tree and all the birds uh, come and dwelt, uh, uh, lofted in it or, or parked in it, <laughs> landed in it. <laughs> it's talking about the nations of the world. It starts really small, small mustard seed and it grows. Or, or, so the kingdom has come and it's growing spiritually life after life, person after person in our midst. Or the parable of the sower, the seed goes out uh, some of it gets snatched up, some of it doesn't grow, but some people receive it and they take it in and they produce a crop. So it's growing in our midst. Or the wheat and the weeds, you know, the, 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 the gospel's being distributed and some reject it, some take it up, but the, the kingdom grows side by side with those who aren't in the kingdom. And so there's this, this truth that God's kingdom has come. And, and uh, the kingdom goes out, life after life after life is entering the kingdom right now. It's growing. It's, so when we read here about the stone that came and it grew into a mountain and it filled the whole earth, there's this progressive understanding of, of God's kingdom. It's coming. And it's going to win. Sooner or later, the whole world is going to bow the knee to Jesus Christ. But there's another interpretation. So when it says in those days of those kings, it's talking about what appears to be Kind of a coalition. You know, this mixed kingdom, like, but through marriage and through things, like this coalition of kings that came together. And, and uh, the image, uh, how far do we take the image of this, 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 this person? Because on, on, I don't know how many toes you got on your feet, maybe nine, maybe 11. I don't know, but most have 10 toes. Okay, and this, this idea is there's, uh, if, if you read some of the prophetic literature out there today from, uh, from certain groups, they say when Jesus comes back his second time, he's going to come back during a time where ten kings have gathered together into a coalition to oppose God and his kingdom. And so with this view, it's talking about not ancient Rome, but a revised Rome, a renewed Rome that comes at the end of time. And when Jesus comes back in his second coming, according to this interpretation, it's going to be a cataclysmic event that blows everything up and destroys all the kingdoms, and his reign will be sure and true. So in the first interpretation, the, the kingdom has already come. The second interpretation, we're still waiting for the kingdom. And of course we're still waiting for the kingdom, for Jesus to come in glory and power and might. So what's the right interpretation? Well, I'll be uh, in, in chapter 7 in about five weeks. It'll give us some more information. But what I see here, what, what makes, it makes sense to me is it's already came. The kingdom is here. Jesus has come. He's reigning. He's, the kingdom is accessible to anybody who wants to enter it, even right now. Anybody who wants to enter the kingdom can enter the kingdom by saying yes to Jesus. I trust in you. I give you my life. I repent of my sins. Take me. And, and you're taken, as it were. But the kingdom is coming. We're waiting on the kingdom still. At both ends, it's already and not yet. God already reigns. God will reign forever. Amen? So our calling now is to trust in the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. To trust the one who made the heavens and the earth. To trust the one who's going to bring his kingdom 
We pray for His kingdom to come. We wait for the arrival of the true Lord of Lords, the true King of Kings. We wait for Jesus Christ to come back and renew this world and the earth. In your anxieties and fears, your worries and your stresses, in the chaos that comes, you don't know what to do. The big idea today is seek the wisdom of God. Pursue the wisdom of the Lord God Almighty. Seek the one who knows all things and knows where the world is going. Pursue the wisdom of God. Would you please stand in His presence? I think the kids are ready to get picked up. <laughs> Lord God Almighty, thank You for these, this group of people. Thank You that You know every soul here, that, that uh, uh, You know every heart, You know what everyone's going through. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for calling us to believe in you. Thank you for calling us to walk with you. Thank you for calling us to trust you, Lord. Thank you for letting us be your people. Thank you for letting us worship you this day. Thank you for what you have planned for us tomorrow. We love you, Lord. Uh, We ask for those children in in the children's church and children in nursery that they would uh, take home what they've learned today and they would keep growing and, and, and become worshipers of you more fully and completely as we all want. God, thank you for your book. Thank you for revelation. Now let us live by your words. Send us out in the world now, the proclaimers of Jesus Christ, his glory, his fame, his coming kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless. Mm-hmm.